0: Hello and welcome back to NG Meets. We've been away for a couple of weeks but we're back with a brand new episode. And this week's guest is actor Cassie Bradley. And Cassie joins us to talk about how she got started in acting, what it was that made her fall in love with acting, uh, where we'll talk about some of the roles she's had, including appearing in you know such um, national treasure shows as Coronation Street and Casualty. That was a fascinating chat and we also obviously talked about the current uh, coronavirus lockdown and the huge impact that's had on the acting world. Obviously everything's ground to a halt as as in many other walks of life. You know, film sets closed down, shows were halted, you know, projects that should have been happening, aren't happening yet, who knows what the long-term impact going to be. We talked about that, we talked about how how the acting world might get back on its feet, what the processes might be about that, you know, what the different options may be. And we also talked about some of the work Cassie's been doing while she hasn't been able to go on set, such as recording uh, you know, virtually. So I think she talked about recording a, a commercial at home, um, the involvement in the recent Not Stopping Festival, which obviously we featured uh, recently, Uh, as well as her involvement in the Nottingham Young Creative Awards. Uh, Cassie was meant to obviously be involved in the actual event for that. But with that being uh, another, like everything else, that fell fell during this time, she's been involved in doing some uh, online webinars, talking about monologues and... uh, there's actually one coming up on the 18th of June, which is about Shakespearean monologues. So if you head over to the Nottingham Young Creative Awards Facebook page, you'll be able to check that out. If you haven't checked out the one from uh, the Not Stopping Festival, the brilliant monologue she did about talking about um, ordering a cob in a Northern chip shop, I think it was. Uh, then check that out. That we, that's actually you can find that on the uh, NG Digital. Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash ng digital uh, if you want to check that out. And that was for a play by another local um, performer or local writer, James Graham. So that's well worth checking out. So it was it was great to chat to Cassie. It was great to talk about how she got started, you know, being a part of such amazing shows as Coronation Street and, and casualty, which are fabric of this country. You know, Coronation Street been around longer than me. And also, obviously, about the impact that coronavirus is obviously something that we've talked about with a lot of guests recently. And it's interesting to see the impact it's having in different fields and on different people um, and how they've adapted to it. So that was really interesting. So, uh, yeah, enjoy this episode. This is NG Meets with Cassie Bradley. this is at NG meets. Thank you all for listening. in. And this week's guest is Cassie Bradley, who is an actor and performer. So Cassie, thank you first of all for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: No problem. And uh, obviously, uh, like I said before, you're an actor and um, we're going to talk about sort of how you got started, what drew you into the, the acting world. I wanted to start off by talking about obviously, um, we've just had the Not Stopping Festival which you were involved in mm. and uh, and just in general sort of how you've had to adapt your work during this pandemic time which has been unprecedented you know especially for the yeah. creative communities it's been uh, really harsh
2: mm. so mm. I'm wondering
0: what the impact on yourself has been like um, particularly as you were sort of on quite a roll as well I think <laughs>
1: Uh, well i think for for everybody that works in the arts every um theatre in particularly in particular it's just been it's been devastating really you know people everyone's lost livelihoods uh, you know at the moment it's it's talk, people are talking like theatres aren't going to open until 2021 yeah. the earlier and really the this was well it was unforeseen in any industry but let alone you know the arts and theatres where you know a contingency budget would be built for maybe three months of downtime you know if there was a a huge fire or or um you know an act of god in that sense but but not a you know a year-long pandemic it's 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 yeah it's been it's been devastating really but I think on the flip side to that I have never seen a community or felt a part of a community rally round each other as much as this time it is incredible what people are doing you know and the resourcefulness I mean, not stopping's a prime example um I think they put that together in what three weeks I think yeah it was, was about that yeah less than that and um it was phenomenal i spent all of last weekend just glued watching <laughs> the amazing talent that um that Nottingham has and in, in all fields you know music arts theater comedy it was it was incredible um so i think actually people have had to be really resilient and people have had to think outside the box they've had to um work with what they've got um and in that sense I think that's really what creativity is it's about using the bare bones the confines like something raw and creating art creating music um just just going with what you've got um so in that sense I think it's been a really positive time and um yeah I've never felt like stronger in this community
0: yeah definitely I think the way that the come together and supported each other and uh, not stopping prior to that the organisers of that did uh, the light knots event you know which which was meant to have been a an you know a live venue event that they sort of yeah. switched into virtual last minute and helped raise you know i think it was about six thousand pound that all went to supporting uh, artists in nottinghamshire that they're obviously going through a tough time and yeah, yeah so and then they get you know not stopping, which is obviously done a lot for helping frontline workers mm. and was about a celebration as that, and so it's been great to see that come together, but as mm. you mentioned, obviously, in terms of the sort of physical venues the the real fear there you know you talk about theaters and especially a lot of the smaller ones, you know like Nottingham, you's got places like the playhouse uh, lace mm. markets here and places like that mm. that they you know the, the real fear is how long can those venues survive without yeah. any income? Mm. And as you said it before, you know we we're looking potentially next year before venues like that can uh, can get back up and running. It's quite a scary time in that sense.
2: Mm-mm. I think,
0: um, hopefully, I think I think a lot more needs to be done to support them from you know the business side of view. That's obviously way outside our. At remit but it's it's yeah. quite it's just it's very bizarre and as you said no one not something that any of these or anybody at all could have prepared for in a no, sense
2: no, not at
0: all. It's just so fast mm. so now yeah. obviously you haven't been able to go out and and film and things like that so what kind of things have you been doing to to keep yourself busy and occupied and keep yourself going through um, this time
1: so, um, lots of things that were, um, that I had kind of penciled in, um, have been postponed. So yeah. I had a couple of commercials and, um, uh, a couple of go ahead. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what the, the situation in that. But, um, one thing that I was involved in was the, um, Nottingham Young Creative Awards. So I was due to present them this month at Metronome in Nottingham. Um, incredible charity that yeah. supports, um, brings together, um, All the Nottingham um, amazing Nottingham arts organisations and um, supports young young people in different categories. And um, I spoke to Nick from that and said, "Well, I really, I really feel like we should do something. I know that these awards have been cancelled, but but what can we do?" So we um, we got to thinking and we've come up with this uh, lockdown monologues project because um, I. I really, I'm, I'm passionate about um, coming from, you know, having working class roots, I'm passionate about working class artists and opportunities being available to everyone. And I feel like at this time, I mean, you see it in the schools debate, um, people are worried about, you know, children from lower income houses really suffering in terms of yep. education. Um, so this is specifically, I mean, we were talking about the idea that you know lockdown doesn't mean locked out of opportunity. Yeah. And um, so we've launched this lockdown monologues project, whereby um, I'm doing two webinars on um, how I approach monologues and different techniques that I've picked up from working with different directors and drama school. Um, and they'll be um, next week and in a couple of weeks' time. And then the idea is that over the month of June, um, the young people. Um, film themselves doing a a theatrical monologue and then upload it to social media using the hashtag YCA lockdown monologues and then at the end of it we're going to choose a selection and um, do a screening of them um, just to celebrate um, the the talent that we've got
2: here
0: yeah I think that's great as well because obviously for those the youngsters that were you know aiming to be involved in the Young Creative Awards and 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 they're great as I've been to them in the the past and you know, they used to be at the playhouse and it's, it's I mean it's heartbreaking mm. so, you know like we've seen for many young people that have just had everything pulled out from them you know we're seeing, we're seeing children missing you know proms and graduations and things like that so mm. I think to be able to offer them something and they then they've, you know so that they've got something to go at something to try and that they're not feeling like they're being forgotten. Yeah,
2: yes, yeah, well. completely.
0: Because um, mm. it's this is could go on for quite a long time. Yeah, I think and keeping people yeah. engaged and keeping people and one of the things that's that's come up quite a lot when i spoke to people during this time is the importance of having something to focus on mm. because it can be very at the moment it can feel very sort of everything's sort of blurred into one continuous long slog through this mm. and that was one of the things about not stopping and things like that. having an event that you can write down on your diary a day a time etc something like that that you can focus on I think is so important at the moment just because mm. this is so open-ended as well that we really don't know when this is going to get better or any kind yeah. of normality so at least having something to aim at to target to focus on, I think you know both to keep your confidence up and for mental health reasons. I think' so important at the minute. Definitely. So I think that's that's great, and like I say, engaging these young people who probably feel, you know, at times probably feel so heartbroken overall. All of this having an event like that that was a stepping stone for many people as well. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, completely. I think it's 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 one of those things where. um friends describe this time as a universal pause where you know you're able to reflect on you know where where you've just been and where where you're going um and but but in that I think it's also an opportunity where people have sat down and gone what can I do you know I I'm not medically trained I can't offer that those sorts of skills um but these are the skills I do have and this is what I'm passionate about and if I can do anything to help um, young people at the moment or or anyone you know I mean I wouldn't be an actor today if, if it wasn't for Nottingham Youth Theatre if it wasn't for key people in my life that have really um, supported me encouraged me and taken the time to just sit down and say oh this this is what the process is or these these are the doors that you need to to walk through or the hurdles you need to get over um, because I think you know knowledge is is power in this world and if if this time is about um, people sharing skills collaborating then then for me this is this is what i can do and and i think that's something positive um, and i think a lot of people have um, really reevaluated you know their own skills and e- even if it's simple tasks like you know going to the supermarket on behalf of your granny or yeah. neighbor or you know it's it's i think it's focusing on what we can do rather than what we can't
0: yeah, and it's, it's very strange. And you said, earlier, you said earlier about the way the community, you've never felt the community come together in the way they have now. And it's a very strange thing because we've been forced apart from everybody outside of our houses. You know, in our local community, we're told we can't interact with them, you know, we can't go around people's houses. And yet, I don't think I've ever felt more of a community spirit than I have Indeed. at the moment. Like you say, people are going out and doing the shopping for neighbours, mm. getting medicine mm. and things like that. So it's it's like almost like a paradox in that we're not actually able to to go around. We're not able to properly socialise, you know, face to face with people. And yet the community spirit has probably been better than ever. You know, people have engaged with neighbours that they maybe haven't spoken to in all the time they've lived at a, a house or Could in an be, area.
1: I- yeah, I mean, my mum's lived in this house for 25 years, and you know, I grew up on this road. It used to play out, and um, and we've got quite a long road, so I know, I know the people. You, you, know, everyone like, um, you know, immediately across the road from you, or either side. You know, your little chunk of the road. But um, I an amazing guy on our road, Dave started a community choir. So <gasps> on Sundays at 3 p.m., we all go out in the road and sing. And it's really brought the street together. And I've yeah. met people, um, there, there's a couple up the road that have lived here since like 19, I think it was 1956. Um, and and even though, you know, you've got to stay two metres away from people, there's that, it's a, a common spirit and it's, a, it's, it's that. I think it's that blitz spirit that we're all in this together. Let's, let's pull together, let's see what we can do.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping it, it, it's not something we lose. You know, when it yeah. when things do get back to whatever normal will be, and I don't think it's ever going mm. to be, well, um, that for a long time, it's not going to go back to the way it was before. This is a long running thing, but I'm hoping we're not going to lose that sort of sense of community and spirit and mm. sort of it's yeah, It'd be nice too. if it's it sticks around and people don't sort of revert straight back to how it was before. Mm. Yeah,
1: just, I mean the clap for carers on a thursday as well it's just um it it it's really emotional it i it really gets me in terms of yeah. just it's like coming together and and hearing the other roads around you and and pots and pans and drums <laughs> and, and it's making noise cuz that's what we can do when we we're, we're, we're here
0: yeah it's just, it's like everyone what you know, like you said people thinking what can we do you know mm. within the limitations obviously of what we're allowed today yeah. and I think that like you say it's having to reevaluate so much because so much has been taken away mm. um, you know i going out for a walk now has become like you some sort of more pay so much more attention to the environment around me you know just mm. walking through your local woods and things like that paid more attention to it because I'm not taking it for granted anymore <laughs>
1: Yeah, and the birds—I cannot get over the birds. It's amazing, and they were obviously there before. And and I, you know, I've always loved birdsong. But I think the fact there are no planes and there are less cars—it's yeah. just incredible. It sounds—it's so loud.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, You wake up. It's almost like even in the middle of the day, it sounds like it would sound if you woke up at say six o'clock on a summer morning before the sort of world wakes up, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and
1: I think in that sense, it's it's almost that's. I think there there are like I think this time has really made me appreciate the little things, and um, things like that. And I think you know, bird song It's it's like that little moment of hope that it, it kind of feels like nature's nature's still going strong, and you know, this this time will pass, and we will come out of it, and hopefully, we'll be we'll be more aware of. Well, I suppose our our mortality—not to be, you know, too existential (laughs) about it—all that that actually it's it's made us aware how precious life is and and how short our time is. So, I hope people will really be more community spirited, kind, and outward looking.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like I say, you know, there's people um, for that. This time has been awful. You know, it's been difficult for everybody. But obviously, you know, there's people that have lost people and yeah. um, and things like that. But I think, like you say, hopefully it does make you appreciate, you know, we've been taken away from being able to to see family members and, and friends. And, you know, um, like you said, hopefully that we will realise that what we've got and stop taking some of that thing those things for granted. Um, which, you know, I mean, this is it. I don't, no one ever imagined anything like that, this ever would happen even in december you know end of last year if someone had said to you something like this was going to happen you'd have yeah. laughed them off when you said that's just ridiculous <laughs> yeah you... i
1: mean even the first week the first week before the week before lockdown what i like to call wash your hands week <laughs> um I, remember, I think i was on radio nottingham the week before that and it even then it didn't seem like what we i don't know it didn't obviously news was breaking around the yeah. world and it was very much it kind of went from wash your hands to complete lockdown yeah
0: so obviously like you said this is a, like you said, this is unprecedented time and it's obviously affected you like it's affected everyone else mm. um what's how do you sense sort of the, the acting sort of community is going to how is that going to come back sort of Because i know there's been hints at, at shows returning to studios and things like that um, but in terms of filming, TV, mm. how do you think for any semblance of a feeling that oh, that's going to slowly come back when you've got things I like think... the social distancing still an issue?
1: Yeah, I think it's still it's still really early days, and there are lots of ideas. I've heard lots of ideas um, being passed around, but I, I don't think there's anything concrete yet. I think I know there's a Netflix. I think a Netflix series is going to shoot with putting everybody, cast, crew, um, in in lockdown essentially, like in quarantine for two weeks yeah. before filming so that people won't be allowed to travel to see family and friends outside of it. It's almost like that will be a two week quarantine and then yeah. they'll film for a month, you know, um, and there'll be regular testing on that. So I think that's, that's one model um, that's, I think, got the green light. Um, there's obviously been the um, ITV drama um, with the isolation stories that Billy Ivy did an amazing oh,
0: Yes, yeah.
1: That, yeah, and um, it was brilliant. I watched the making of that as well. And, and um, actually me and my mum watched it the night before because I ended up shooting a commercial here um, for a major brand but it was completely nuts. Um so and it was very similar, you know, props got delivered um through social distancing and then we had self shooter at home. So mum was um balancing uh um the laptop with about 30 people, you know, advertising execs director and we'd got to set hair makeup DOP on a laptop, looking at a phone screen through the laptop, looking at me in the shot and it was yeah it was it was crazy. Um so, I think there's there is a um a model for self shooting but I think I don't think that's sustainable because no. um it it's it's obviously you know self shot at home and also it would if that moves forward so many talented people would would lose their jobs you know i am i I can do my makeup for everyday purposes whatever but i I can't do it to the skill or expertise of a makeup artist I can't um, sort out my lighting like a director of photography would. Um, it, it's it, there are reasons those roles exist, and there are brilliant people that do those roles. Yeah. So I think we need to be careful that that those roles don't get lost or cut out. You know, if if self shooting does become the norm, um, and then in terms of bigger dramas, I don't. It, it's going to be so. It's going to be so difficult because, I mean, even you watch Newsnight or Breakfast. I remember the first time I turned it on, and they were sat two meters away from each other. Yeah, it's on the really cinema. weird. <laughs> and it seems like a goal, doesn't it? Like yeah. you're not used to it. Um, and you know, drama is based on on human interaction, on 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 proximity, on closeness, on people having relationships, people touching each other. It's I, I don't I don't at the moment see how that can be done th- with you know being two meters apart from each other.
0: No, I think that's right. And you, you talk about the sort of uh, this, the things that can be done uh, self shooting in isolation. And there's been some great stuff. I mean, um like you mentioned the isolation stories. And then mm. one of the things I've been enjoying is the the table read sort of events that have been happening with certain shows. Um, a lot of them to raise charity so they've been getting Mm. like reunions of casts of shows and getting them to read a script from an episode and some of them you know some of my favorite shows have done that which I've really enjoyed but it's very limited obviously what you can do Mm. in terms of that you know there is a limited um scope of story that will fit that mold do mm. you say because most stories involve need interaction? They need the physical connection. Um, so there's only so far you can go with that, I guess. And then, I mean, I've seen today as we're recording this. Obviously, they've announced the return of the Premier League
2: mm.
0: um, in in the twentieth of June, I think it So I guess there's a a similar model maybe there in terms of how they'll go about. Bringing that back in terms of just very small number of people involved, uh, maybe it'll be you know things like closed sets and things like that will play a part in it. And obviously, uh, they need to, they need to make sure the testing's up to scratch, rigorous testing and things like that is obviously key. As you say, mm. then then you've got the potential of the you know quarantining people during the period of recording things like that. Um, completely yeah and get. the
1: and the antibody test as well you know to yeah. if people have those antibodies present then <laughs> I wonder if that's going to be a, a criteria on spotlight where you're going to be like COVID free. <laughs> uh, yeah
0: <laughs> maybe um I mean interesting obviously with because they've just announced as well with the trace and track um app and, and things like that which obviously plays a part in it because that's that's going to massively potentially expand the chances of people going into isolation even once the lockdown's lowered because instead of what was previously a thing where, you know, if you've got a family member that's showing symptoms, you've got to self-isolate. We've now got a point where it's anybody that you've had contact, potential contact with. So obviously that that immediately would, have a massive effect, rippling effect to a, a cast and crew of a TV show.
2: Yeah.
0: Because the second that one person involved in that production in any way, you have stopped that production mm. because they are going to have had contact with everybody. I guess that again, that yeah. adds an extra, <laughs> um, an extra logistical issue to look at.
1: Yeah. And I know, in, I, I imagine insurance is going to be an issue as well, you know, for every, yeah. for every job, we do as actors we have to fill out a detailed you know health questionnaire before we even go into production and that's to make sure i mean one of the questions on that is do you suffer from cold sores because uh, as as an actor that's the only thing that they can't cover up right, um, okay. with makeup that would have to be cgi'd out almost or you know it, it that would be an extra work in post production so sometimes that's you know it, that's just a question it, it always fascinates me what what these questions are on those health forms and things so yeah. if that's the level of detail that they go into then what is what are the health insurance implications for covid you know on a film set like you say
0: yeah and that's and with it being you know at the moment we don't know how long we're looking at for a vaccine if we can get mm. one this is mm. these kind of questions are going to be a long-term potentially a long-term yeah. prospect so yeah and it's, the
2: very
1: answer of filming anyway is so um everybody is so close to each other just naturally i had a friend that posted a picture the other week of uh, of just a normal film set and there were about 50 people there it was um it was a view from kind of with with all the cameras in shot with all the boom on standby and you say there were 60 people in the picture one person was two meters away from from everybody else (laughs) there's only one like one person on that film set that would have been clear yeah covid wise you know um so just the very nature of it it's um it requires closeness and it requires yeah. um yeah that that level of of proximity so i don't know i think i think people are on it i hope people are on it
0: oh yeah and i think um, one, one of the things that you see in any situation like this whenever what you know we have these sort of tough times and things like that is you see some you see innovation come out of it yeah and we've already seen that I said you know not not stopping that was an incredible event to turn around and we've seen lots of people innovating presenting their work in different ways and finding different Mm -hmm. ways to do things and I think they'll you'll see that there you'll see a sort of um you'll see innovation innovate innovative ideas come out of this uh, and excited so there is there's that side of which you say I'm sure there's people you know, there's, there's people who have a lot invested in this you know, yeah. all different levels who want to get this back up and running um,
2: yeah
0: as and I said to my
1: friend that, yeah completely I said to my friend the other week um, you know I think this is a time where people will need stories and entertainment more than ever Um, you know lots of people looking at you know all the content on television whilst they've been at home but I think there's a cathartic nature to stories that is necessary and that will be needed at the end of all of this
0: yeah and probably there's going to be loads of um shows about (laughs) (laughs) COVID-19 yeah it'll be interesting
1: to see like whether it's it's the central subject or whether I feel like it's going to be all or nothing
0: yeah, <laughs> it's to, so it's going to be interesting. Particularly things like soaps, for example, address that in in the shows mm.
2: um,
0: because they can't. You obviously can't just ignore it if you're if you're something like a soap that is dealing with every day to day. You know, the, I know they're obviously the, the, ex, the ex, everything's a bit O T T in a soap in terms of storylines but it generally boils down to dealing with the day-to-day lives mundane day-to-day lives of a group of people in a small area so Mm -hmm. you can't have a show like that that's so grounded in a realistic base and then not Mm -hmm. not sort of address what has been the biggest issue of certainly my lifetime and yeah the biggest thing this country's had since the war yeah. In terms of yeah, I know founded. that all my
1: friends that are friends that are writers and in, in, in development as well have never been busier in terms of there are so many things that are being refined and ideas being pitched, you know, that are good to go almost so when they do get the green light, they can they can go. But yeah, I think it's probably gonna be easier for soaps to reference it in terms of they can they could do minimal sets, and they could yeah. maybe i'm thinking I'm thinking about Cory um they can have a lot of of households i suppose if you if if actors in one household were able to 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 be a household say in real life you know be tested or be um not quarantined together but but if that if that was allowed as a unit, then the scope for story in that sense they could you know just use a spotlight on each family on the street yeah. in isolation, let's say. Um, I think that would be really, really fruitful for, for for, the drama.
0: I guess so. And I guess some of those the families, given how dysfunctional they often are in in those kinds of shows as well, putting them locked together for 14 days would make some interesting stories.
1: Um, <laughs> I know. Imagine the fireworks that's going to come
2: out. <laughs>
0: um, you were talking about the, the things you've been doing. And obviously the self-recording, the, self the monologue thing, sort of, you know, the thing you did for Not Stopping, and yeah, I think you mentioned the commercial. What's it been like recording in that way? You know, so basically at home on your own with a phone. How, how is it more difficult to sort of get yourself in the frame of mind of a character and presenting a monologue when you're doing it on your own with just your phone?
1: yeah i think um the nature of of acting is it's collaborative it's it relies on um, you know if if you are even if you're doing a monologue on stage you, you've normally got a director you've got designers you've got um you know stage managers that it's a team effort and it always has been and that's the same on a set you know everybody and it's an, there's an energy to it and so it's very strange doing it all by yourself almost and also kind of getting to grips with lighting sound um kind of doing the best that that you can with the equipment that you've got um and also the I'm such a perfectionist so the idea of you know a never-ending take there's nobody on set to say <laughs> and that's time and yeah. you know take a break up, or there's not that sense of right we've got five takes this setup and then we're moving on you know it's it's very much it's up to me um how I manage that time and I could be doing something for you know <laughs> hours let's say or um I think this time you re- I, this time has really taught me that you get to know yourself quite well you know your habits that you know and I think yeah being a perfectionist or being a bit of a workaholic is definitely something that I've <laughs> learned about myself. I did know it before, but I think, yeah, doing, doing self-shooting
0: has definitely come out. So, so then when you do go back on set now, it's going to be like, what do you mean? I've got to stop now. Can't have another take. <laughs>
2: <Yeah.
0: laughs> <laughs> <laughs> That's not on. Yeah. So, I'd be like, uh, I'm
2: happy to carry on. I'm, you
1: know, <laughs> <laughs> no, I always say that actually. Um, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'm, I'm not the sort of actor that clocks off, but you know, when, when it's time, I'm um, I'm fascinated by the whole process, and yeah. I just I love I love being either on set or in a theatre. So, and for me, it's about the work, and you know if that means doing overtime or staying until we get the shot, then I'm always up for it.
0: Excellent, and it sounds like as well. It's been a really good learning experience in terms of that what what involves outside of the just performing in front of a camera, like you say, because you've been having to, obviously on a smaller scale than a set, but you've been having to manage every aspect of what you're filming. Mm. The lighting, getting the best, mm. um, I guess, get the best scene, you know, best positioning and best placement and things like that. You've had to be responsible for all that. So I guess in that sense, it has been... A learn an an interesting learning experience.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think you you learn. I've I've learned on every job I've done, and actually, the when I played Mary Magdalene um, for the History Channel for Jesus His Life, I had that was one of my favourite jobs because I it was a really intense. It was about three months in the desert. And we had an amazing director called Ashley Pierce who's done Downton. He's done all the Jimmy McGovern dramas on BBC. He's, he's brilliant. He's one of the best directors I've ever worked with. Um, but I, I think it was difficult because I only had a few days off. Um, because I was, I had to fly back to shoot my first episode of Corrie, right. but, um, I'd always been fascinated by, uh, the relationship between a director and a DOP director of photography and, uh, in they often call them cinematographers in america it's kind of interchangeable um and i said i think i was talking to dirk at DOP and said one night at dinner oh i'd love one day to just you know just just shadow for a production or you know just sit in video village with the director and dirk said well why don't you ask ashley and i kind of said well i've, I've only got like you know five days off whatever and i said my first one's tomorrow and he went Let's ask Ashley and whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Ashley was like, "Right, see you in the car at 5 a.m." And I basically had it was the most amazing learning experience because on my days off, I sat in video village or I joined the art department and moved some camels or helped to dress like some of the sets and things. And I really, it really, um, it, it taught me so much. I think it was one of the most creative periods of my life because I. I got to understand a set and a huge set as well. You know, we were working outside with epic locations, um, juggling like, you know, the Lake of Galilee and the crucifixion scene and things. And I think normally as an actor, you're so, um, well, th- there's a lot going on. And, you know, if, if I'm working, I'm working. So it's, even though I've been interested in those elements like lighting, like um, camera angles and shots, I've known, the minimum of what I need to know yeah. in order to deliver the performance but but that was this was on a whole another level so actually that that experience I think has really helped me in this time um and I've often thought of Dirk and Ashley and I've been messaging them in, in terms of setting up different shots and angles and using yeah. the lighting and and um save them a learning experience to say the least Excellent.
0: and is that something that that's in your mind maybe then that sort of behind the camera kind of work that's something that you that's in your mind or something you might want to look at more further down the line
1: or... I don't know I've always I've always been interested in, in the whole the, ho- the whole of it almost you know um and and how stories are made and I think I definitely I am an actor through and through I remember being in a rehearsal room and um was on a production called Every You Every Me and it was Barney Norris who, who'd written it and David Mergatoli directing it, and uh, we were we were all in the rehearsal room and it was quite close to Tech Week, and we were we were going through different rewrites and we were really it, it was one of those stressful times where the scene wasn't working and we we're trying to like do like work out how we could change it and different things, and Barney was brilliant because he would just you know go off for ten minutes and come back with this amazing script and David would would throw in all of these things that that would challenge. Um, it was me and another actress called Louisa. And at the end of it, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm I'm completely in the right role here. I, I don't know how he does what he does or <laughs> Barney does what he, he does. You know, it was one of those feelings of I'm completely an actor first. You know, I am fascinated by people. I, I'm always people watching in cafes and things. I look at how people move or what makes them tick. So in terms of psychology, I think I'm definitely an actor first, but I don't think I'd rule out you know, doing more of, well, learning more because I yeah. just think it, the more you know about a world, the more it informs your job. You know, if I if I can move an inch to the left, and if that if that helps the director of photography, you know, um, with the lighting, or if that helps to cement the shot, then I just think all actors should be willing to to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out, but I definitely think I'm an actor first.
0: Excellent. So look, you, what you're saying there about sort of realising this was, you were in the right role as it were. But going back before that, obviously you'd already been acting by then. Can you remember mm. when and what it was that made you first think that's what you want to do?
1: Yeah, definitely. I was, um, I was six and my mum took me to the Nottingham Playhouse Pantomime <laughs> to see a production of Cinderella. And it was... Um, it was a time where you could put your name in you know you could put your name down and they, they drew names out of a hat for the kids to go backstage um and it was Kenneth Allen Taylor and I got to go backstage and um meet meet some of the actors and I remember they, they showed me how like Cinderella's carriage lit up and I just thought it was the most magical experience ever and I came out and I, I said to my mum that's that's what I want to do I want to I want to be an actor, and um, and she's always been incredible. She's been so encouraging, and, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, but I, w- I went to College Street and did all the city council-funded opportunities that I could, um, like drama summer schools and things, and um, I don't know whether my wider family thought I was going to grow out of it. It was one of those things <laughs> where, I want to be an actor! and um, But, yeah, it was definitely that moment where I kind of got to see... I got to see behind the curtain, but I found that even more magical. That, yeah, that I wanted to do it.
0: Excellent. I think Nottingham seems to be uh, quite a breeding ground as well for, for actors, especially coming from um, sort of working class communities and backgrounds. Um,
1: Definitely, yeah,
0: it, yeah. Obviously, with, with the different groups and organisations that we've got in the city, and even mm. you know things like the you know, the. Uh, Young Creative Awards which celebrate, you know, all those areas of creative fields. So like you said, you went and you did everything you could. You went and you know took part in all sorts of things and things. So um can you remember sort of the first time you um sort of performed and what that felt like in terms of a, a show sort of thing? Oh it
2: was probably
1: well, it was probably at College Street. I, I, I remember, I don't know whether this was our, one of our first things, but we did, um, I remember was doing the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner as a poem, um, and, uh, you know, I'd never been exposed to, to anything like that before. You know, I, I, looking back, it was quite a big thing to give, you know, seven or eight year olds um, and but I think that was what was brilliant about it, you know. I remember we did the goods person of when I was like 12 as well, um, with like a bunch of inner city Nottingham kids. I just think it's brilliant, um, but yeah, that rhyme of the ancient mariner. And I remember, um, being on some on um OB's shoulders, and he was really tall. I mean, he felt like a giant, um, but I just remember the feeling of, of oh, it was like nothing nothing i'd ever felt before and it was it was that sense of that everyone was coming together to tell a story yeah and it was it was magic and i i still feel like that every time i go on stage it's it's that it's it's adrenaline it's like um i think it's a bit like i try to describe to people it's a bit like um you know before you're about to go on a roller coaster it's it's a mix of of fear because you you know it's not naturally something you should do to stand up in front of you know a thousand people on the Olivier stage and and speak (laughs) or perform or um and similarly on a roller coaster you know you're taking your life in your hands so that's what it feels like but then it's that excitement and it's that adrenaline and it's the precarious nature that anything could go wrong addiction of it and the thrill of it and it's all of those things mixed up in one so I'd say yeah probably that was where I first felt it at College Street
0: yeah and then like a roller coaster a second you you step off you want to go straight back on it again
1: yeah completely yeah <laughs> so,
0: um
1: and apparently I, somebody did a test on actor's on press night um they set up like heart monitors and things and um and measured kind of um chemicals and apparently on press night an actor goes through the equivalent of a mild car crash in terms wow. of what's going <laughs> on <inside them. laughs> uh,
0: yeah i can imagine <laughs> um, obviously so you You've done stage and screen, I guess is the right word mm. for it. And I think obviously you've, you've worked with some great directors in both. Mm. So what's, how's it like comparing the sort of, because obviously they're very different things, because when you're on stage, you you perform mm. and the crowd is there, there's live, there's no second take. Yeah. You, you can't get it wrong, as it were. Mm. Um, so how does it feel going from doing stage to to screen because they're obviously such different things in terms of everything about them. But ultimately, the, at the end of the day, for you, they're both about playing that role to the best of your ability.
2: Yeah, I'd say. Well, they're both about
1: truth. At the end of the day, they're about um, bringing that character to life. And you know, as an audience member of either TV or theatre, I think I always go. I always think do I believe you and am I moved by you? Um, so for me, it's at the end of the day, a performance is, is always about truth and about inhabiting that character in, in all its human intricacies. Um, so, so I probably, I always approach, i approach a character in exactly the same way, um, depending on, you know, a director's rehearsal screen in terms, I think it, technically, yes, they are very different. Um, in terms of, you know, if you're on the Olivier, you've got to project to fill that, those, you know, thousand plus seats. Um, whereas, you know, in television, you've got microphones that will pick up every breath or slight creak in your voice or, you know, that, those, that kind of raw, intimate emotion. Um, but I think at the end of the day, they're, they're both about, yeah, truth and, and bringing a character to life. And, and I did, I remember at the beginning thinking um, because I'd obviously done um, College Street and then through drama school, we, we had screen training at drama school. But really, my screen work, I've, I've, I've learned on the job, essentially. And um, I remember worrying that I wasn't going to enjoy it as much because I, I I thought, oh, the audience might not be there. And will it be the same? Will it still be that rush of emotion? And And it absolutely is. It's 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 the same adrenaline it's that same magic because you're on set and there's there's about a hundred people behind the camera you know that are depending on you that they've only got a limited amount of time so actually when they say rolling and when it's kind of sound speed it is like that moment before before a performance that like it's almost like when an audience takes a, a breath in before the show starts it always feels like that on set as well it feels like it's it's that silence where you could hear a pin drop where something's about to happen and then and then it happens and you, you're in the moment and and off you go so I think even though technically they're different it's the same rush it's the same it's the same truth
0: yeah excellent I think that's so important isn't it because you've got to get that same rush and same feeling um, mm. to be able to to do the best job um, I think people know you know people know when people don't have that feeling
1: yeah yeah people, oh. and that collaborative spirit as well you know like that you get on stage where you know I've been on stage where people have have forgotten their lines but the audience would never know because you're such a a tight-knit group that your brain almost has to do like it's It's so funny being on stage because you're um your mouth's doing one thing and then in your brain you've got you obviously you've got that outside thing that's going oh my goodness right he's just dropped that prop or that line's just been dropped there so if if I say this or if I go and pick that up does that then mess up anybody else's route through this play or or is that acceptable or you know and that happens in a split second <laughs> and then you just have to make that decision um but um and similarly on screen it's just it's so raw in that you know it can often just be you and one other person and and you've got to deal with all these huge emotions and I remember when I did Casualty um I I got on like a house on fire with George Rainsford and I think we got on so well off screen as well as on screen because we were dealing with such such big stuff and you know it was that thing of just Looking at another person, and and you know, before a take, being like, right, I've, I've got you back here. Here we go, like, let's do this. Let's let's tell this story. And the amount of times, like, he saw me, like, snot everywhere. <laughs> you know, tears were going everywhere. You know, it's it's you do go through big things together, even yeah. if it's just, even if it is fiction. You know,
0: interesting. We definitely be interesting to see our casualty uh, deal with this situation in their storylines. <laughs> yeah oh my, so
2: goodness, that, yeah. my
0: <laughs> yeah one of the interesting obviously with you with a job like uh, like in within television um there are obviously shows that people can be on for long for a long time, but a lot of the shows you do can be um you you're recording for a short period of time and then you're moving on to to another show or another film mm-hmm. but it's it's just it was, for people from outside of that it's quite weird because obviously it's like moving to a new job a lot and a new set of people and you know mm. a whole new cast and crew so yeah, it's like starting a, not in terms of your knowing your job but in terms of it's like starting a new job in in your field potentially every couple of months which must be sort of exciting but also quite daunting because you just don't know what the kind of the people are going to be like necessarily
1: yeah and, and every job's different and it's you you do meet you meet a lot like it's like yeah it's like the first day of school all over again you're like hi you know nice to meet you and and here we go with this huge scene about your dad dying or um it's it's you kind of you i think as actors you you deal with like big emotions and so sometimes you actually like sidestep all the social niceties that you would do you know if you worked in in an office or something you'd get to know like how people took their tea yeah. or what biscuits they liked and stuff sometimes you you're literally like jumping in there being like oh here we go this is you know I'm going to tell you this story about my life and how that's going to help us with this scene or so and I think that's why the actors get reputations of being like lovies you know when you see people (laughs) having a reunion on the red carpet or something actually they they've probably lived in each other's pockets you know when we did both King Lear and Husbands and Sons that was nearly a year of all our lives yeah and and even though people then move on to other jobs you know as soon as I see like Anne-Marie again or or Adrian Scarborough or whatever it's that thing of like oh my goodness you you know you have a huge hug and it's like how's you know how's your wife how's your partner how are your kids you know, it's and people even from afar on, on different jobs it's that still you still get an epic sense of a reunion um but also I think it is you do meet people again you know so I just did McDonald and Dodds for ITV and actually um because we were filming in Bath um we ended up with um an amazing camera operator who was on casualty um because casualty feels in cardiff it was almost like he he often works across the yeah. two. um nick and um and uh, one of the and the costume um one of the costume designers was from um the coroner that i did a few years before <laughs> that so it was it, it is although it is new people you do you do have like great unions with people yeah. as well awesome excellent and
0: obviously you've um, you've worked on what are arguably two of the biggest shows in the country, in Casualty and Coronation Street. What's it like being, you know, joining a a show like that that is just, you know, goes beyond a TV show. I mean, Coronation Street arguably is a cultural phenomenon. It goes beyond a TV show. You know, for many many people, there are a lot of people that you know set their watches around that show. Mm. And you know and it, and it's the uh, the sort of water caller talk of the office
2: mm.
0: so you know everybody whether you watch it or not, everybody is aware of the sort of legacy of that show so what's it like joining a show like that
1: yeah it was it was really um it was amazing obviously and yeah. um a brilliant team and but I remember it feeling strange because I grew up with it and because my my granny's a huge fan and and i grew up watching it it's really weird to to have an idea in your head about what how the street is and how all the shops interconnect all the houses and things and then going onto to the exterior of of the rovers isn't anywhere near the the yeah. exterior or you know that that's in a studio and that's elsewhere and almost that um i don't know a little bit of the like the magic of of what you see going oh actually this is this is the reality of it and but then actually finding the joy in in knowing those little secrets and yeah. um, because normally for for any other job really you're it's a new it's a new set for everybody you know on a tv show if it's just starting or if you're on a theatre job then the set gets unveiled to you in the model box in the rehearsal week and then the set gets built almost you you're all in it you all are go on the set at the same time whereas you know joining Casualty and Coronation Street you're joining a team of people that might have worked on that for you know 50 years in some cases um but in in both experiences the the teams there were were incredible you know people could not have been more welcoming or um yeah it's, it's the people that drive them really um yeah. and that goes you know from um Cath on reception at Corrie um, to all the hair and makeup team you know who they 're seeing you you know at half past five in the morning <laughs> and they 've always got a cup of tea and a smile and um, yeah both of those shows are are I think so successful because of the people involved and the writers and and the passion that everyone has for yeah. them so it was it was a privilege to be honest to be involved with both of yeah. them
0: yeah I mean like said that they haven't lasted as long as they have without being really good at doing it yeah, and, you
2: know,
0: yeah. so and um, I imagine it was a massive learning ex- you know brilliant learning experience as well yeah uh, yeah tick- well
1: Corrie's got six units like operating at any one time so six, you know and you could be going from uh, across you know however many six weeks of story so you could be going from um, week one before morning the coffee break to you know week three scene four and then back so everybody has to be so on it in terms of script, in terms of story, in terms of where you've been, where you're going to um, both the directors and the actors. So, uh, and, the, and the casualty schedule used to like blow my mind when that went up on the wall because casualty, you shoot um, week one on location and week two in the hospital. But if you're across concurrent episodes, then you could be going from the hospital to yeah. location. And and all just juggling all the actors, juggling all the because um, obviously they have major incidents every every yeah. episode or several major incidents. So juggling all of that and actors' availability that always blew my mind.
0: Yeah, and it's when you think about something like Coronation Street and any of the soaps as well. They, you know, most shows that you're involved in, TV shows and things like that. Obviously, you record for blocks at a time. So that, and they'll have a series, and then that'll air. But they don't stop. You know, they they run three hundred and well, not you know, they run fifty two weeks a year. There's mm. no seasons in those shows. So mm. They've got to be on it all the time, like week yeah. you know, week after week after week. And I I, I think um, they probably don't. The the actors involved in so it's probably don't get anywhere near the recognition they deserve to be able to meet that. Every week that they
1: do, yeah, and and the volume of lines as well that 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 has to be learned. You know, um, she. I did all a lot of my stuff on on Cory was with um, Jack and Ben and um, and who play Nick and David, and there they were involved in. You know, Natalie and the, and the barbers was just one huge story that they were involved in. Out of maybe like three or four. I had to learn it's it's insane and it's it's amazing to watch them as well
0: yeah awesome um i don't want to take up too much more of your your time but one one thing i wondered is because obviously there's lots and lots of different roles in the acting world um are there any that you kind of look at not not an act not a specific role but a, a sort of kind of role so you know like a a sort of villainous role a comedy role are the ones you think you'd love to have a go at that maybe you've not had a chance to have a go at yet
1: um I don't know I think I've been very lucky so far in in doing a whole range of things I mean like flying from from the desert in Morocco doing Jesus to the cobbles of Coronation yeah. Street Play. Bad, bad girl Natalie was like the biggest shift. I, I remember being on the plane and, and being at the airport, um, waiting for. I still could never get over the fact that they send a car to come and pick you up. <laughs> waiting for the car, thinking, this is like, remember this moment because this is all you've ever dreamed of, you know, playing such different characters, working with incredible people. Um, I do, and I, I've loved all the characters that I've got to play. I've, I think I, I often. I often play like rough diamonds Um, people like that on the surface are a bit unlikable, but actually if you scratch beneath the surface, they've got a lot of depth and soul. I, that seems to be, I, I think if you were to pick a common trait of the characters so far, but I do love comedy and, yeah. Um, and yeah. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe to a bit more comedy. I don't know, but I, I just, I'm just thankful. For any job and yeah. and for the work that that I've I've done so far, you know, and if I can carry on working with people that inspire me and that 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 I feel fulfilled with the work, I'll be happy in life.
0: Awesome, excellent. I mean, normally we'd be asking, obviously, what people have got coming up, but that's very difficult at the moment. As you say, most <laughs> of the projects you're involved in, pure on the nature of what you do, are are on hold, and at the moment. It's in, you know, it's, it's difficult to tell if and when all those projects will resume or get started again. Mm. Um, so I guess, obviously, I know you're involved in the uh, the monologue series for the uh, Nottingham Creative Awards, or tied into that. Um, mm. Is there anything else you are working on that you can sort of talk about, maybe in in terms of the online of recordings and things?
1: um there are a few projects on hold that were like penciled before lockdown but i can't i can't really talk about them yeah, so i don't sure. really know whether they're
2: yeah.
1: gonna happen um i'm still doing um some voiceover work from home um and and i actually i'm um with the i'm really excited by the young creative awards and i've said to them if i can if i can do anything to help then then I'm here, you know. So we've got the Lockdown Monologues project, but I think that will be an ongoing partnership. So I'm I'm excited to to do that and to um hopefully help people from similar backgrounds to me that um that maybe don't necessarily have um access to to all the opportunities that they should or, you know, if they were born in a different postcode might do. So um for me that's as important as as my acting work, because I know that I am so lucky and I'm in such a privileged position. And um, and I think it has been a lot of luck. And I think I kind of am the exception to the rule. If I, if I look back, you know, it's um, getting a job at the National Theatre, um, you know, having people take a chance on me. Um, those sorts of things, I don't know. I, I look back and I go, oh, wow. I didn't, you know, being a, a working class girl from Baseford and Mansfield on paper doesn't necessarily immediately, you know, lead to that, you know. So I, I know that I've been really lucky and if I can do anything to help anybody else, then then I will.
0: Yeah, and I think that's very important as well because I think I think it's there's been a lot of talk even before this about there being less opportunities for working class people to get into the arts particularly acting, you know,
2: mm.
0: people that can't afford to go off to, uh, to the to drama schools and things like that. And that's going to be something that potentially becomes even more difficult because when we, as we come out of this, we, we, we know that we're facing a really rough economic time. Mm. And we also know that um, history has shown us that one of the first places it gets hammered, is the creative arts yeah funding. We, we've seen that despite all the evidence that shows how much it brings in, which is something like nine pounds for every pound spent, it brings into the mm. economy. It's always one of the first places, even you know, even down to it getting cut in schools. You know, we've seen music and drama. And so it's gonna possibly get even harder because there's gonna be less funding for those groups that are trying to offer opportunities for those that can't afford it i think mm-hmm. like you say any little thing that can be done to to give those people an opportunity is going to be so mm-hmm. important and, and it's going only going to get more important so i think those opportunities are going to become even more difficult to come by um because i just i, I worry that, that they're the kind of areas that are really going to be losing their funding what they haven't already you yeah. know all, we know they've already a lot of them have already been hit heavily anyway. So, mm. it's, Yeah,
1: it's... and for me, I know there's there's a huge, you know, we've made huge steps in, in diversity over the last few years in, in the arts, but, you know, more needs to be done. And for me, you know, that includes class. And I think that that we need to keep shouting about it. You know, something does need to be done.
0: Yeah, and we're, it's, so, it's so important that that those stories are told as well.
2: Um, absolutely you know, those yeah. working
0: class stories and i know you know obviously one of the key parts of an actor is being able to play different kind of roles but they still need to be those people in involved in in that world if those mm. stories are going to be authentic
2: absolutely yeah
1: yeah completely yeah fully agree
0: yeah well thank you very much for speaking to me it's been great oh it's
2: here.
0: been so lovely uh, quickly before we go if people want to uh, keep an eye on what you are doing and you know and follow you on social media what's the best places uh, to find you
1: uh so i'm on instagram at cassiebradley.ig, and i'm on twitter at cassie cb um and then i've got a website www.cassiebradley.com
0: brilliant well brilliant thank you very much anyway uh,
1: thank you so much
0: So thank you there to Cassie Bradley. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. I thought it was great to, to dive deeper into some of the goings-on in the world of acting and hearing about the sort of work work she's doing and obviously the impact that the coronavirus has had on on Cassie and the acting world and the things she's been doing during that time. Um, again, like I said earlier, it's, it's great hearing different viewpoints from different fields of how it's impacted people and how they're adapting and the things they're coming up with. Um, again, do go to facebook.com forward slash ngdigital and check out the video of, of Cassie doing the monologue from the Not Stopping Festival. It's, it's brilliant, it's funny, it's enjoyable, and I think Nottingham people will really relate to it. And check out the webinars, go to the Nottingham Young Creative Awards page. The events are on there. Uh, last time I checked, it was like the top event on there, the event the Shakespearean Monologues event, which takes place on the 18th. So that's next week. Um Next week's guests are the Nottinghamshire Refugee Week. We spoke to uh, to some of the people involved in that. That's actually taking place next week, from the fourteenth. So the show will, the episode will release in the midst of that. And I tried to find out, to find out more about um, how the festival came about, what it's that, what's important about it, how they've adapted that festival again, given the current situation because that was meant to be a big festival taking place, you know, physically events in Snanton Market and things like that, which is going to be happening now in 2021. And that they talk about that, but also the things they're doing virtually, the online events to keep it going, the stuff they're doing to try and get out to the community, particularly people that maybe don't have the access to to, to view things online. We also talked about, obviously, the the. The attitude towards refugees that seems to have got more hostile over recent years, as well as how the coronavirus has impacted refugees and people that maybe, you know, obviously the support systems for them, um, the difficulties when they don't have the the contacts there, particularly you know, things like language barriers, you know, use of medical facilities and things like that. So that was it's very interesting conversation. Do uh, check out. Uh, Nottingham Refugee Week. There's some great stuff going on, like like any other event. Obviously, it's been heavily hit by by this uh, coronavirus epidemic, but it's so important that um, that the refugees and other and people aren't forgotten about amidst all of this because this is so important still. And you know, we I think you know we do know we we're going to see them become a target of of cuts probably the support facility the support. Setups for the for the refugees, particularly given attitudes we saw um, even prior to this. So that's next week's guests. Uh, working on getting more guests lined up through June. Nothing that I can confirm at the moment, but do keep an eye on uh, facebook.com forward slash ngdigital for more announcements or at ngdigitaluk on Twitter. Um, that's pretty much it for this week. Obviously... Um, we're all aware of, of what's going on at the moment. You know, this, the horrific murder um, of George Floyd in America by the, by police. You know, th- that isn't an isolated incident. This is new. It's not a one-off. We, we know that the anger that's caused and what that's led to, We you know, the, the protest that's taken to the streets across the world. Uh, you know, there, there was a protest in, in Nottingham on S- Sunday, um, that my wife went along to, and you know, a passionate time, and it's I think you know, as as a as a white man that, who doesn't have any experience of what it's like to be um, discriminated against based on my skin colour, it's important now for people like me to listen, to support, and uh, and to learn and educate myself on on these issues, you know, and not to allow it to uh, to pass by as has happened in the past where, you know, the outrage comes, bubbles, and then, like with so many things, it gets pushed aside. And, uh, you know, the the Black Lives Matter movement is so important at the moment. This is a time to make a change and, we got, and to make sure that the support is there because the backlash is coming already. We know it is. We know that the that any spike in in uh, infection in coronavirus is going to be thrown at the protesters. We're already seeing that it's trying to be turned into being about looting and vandalism as opposed to about change. And even you know people saying, "Well, it's not an issue in the UK," which we know it is. I mean, anyone that pretends that this isn't a problem in the UK as well is just burying the head in the sand. So it's it's such an important time and. It needs everybody now to be calling for that change and fighting for those the change that's needed to make this a more equal society. And for those of, that are out there saying that the responding to Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter, it's a simple thing. Yes, All Lives Matter, but until Black Lives Matter, then no lives can matter. It, you know, it's as simple as that. Um, so yeah a massive support to all those out there that are, are fighting for a change and get rid of all of them statues brilliant um, but thank you for listening obviously that's um, there are much better people to speak on that than me as I say for, for myself and a lot of us is now it's time to listen and learn and support and that's what we should be doing um, so thanks again for listening in We'll be back next week with the Nottingham Refugee Week episode. As ever, you can find all episodes at ngdigital.podbean.com and you can find us on facebook.com forward slash ngdigital and on Twitter at ngdigitaluk. Give us a, a like, uh, a review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Please subscribe to the show and do get in touch to let us know what you think and if you are somebody with Nottingham Connections that think they'd be a good guest for the show, drop us a line. We're always looking to speak to new people and different people. It would be great to chat. Thanks again. Uh, and take care. So stay safe. And uh, we'll be back next week.